Hello, and welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I'm Sarah Ann Minkin, Director of Programs and Partnerships at the Foundation. Today is March 27th, 2023, and I am back here, happily, with Chagai Matar. Chagai is an award-winning Israeli journalist and political activist. He's the Executive Director of 972, Advancement of Citizen Journalism, an Israeli nonprofit that publishes two independent media outlets. The first is 972 Magazine, which listeners of this podcast hopefully are following very closely. It's essential reading. And the second is 972's sister site, Local Call, which which Chagai at 972 co-publishes with Just Vision. So today is March 27th. This might sound familiar. Chagai and I were in these very seats on March 9th talking about this same topic, the protests, the what looks like some kind of civil revolt in Israel. Only a lot has changed since then. And the reason why I really wanted to have Chagai on at this moment is because yesterday and today are big historic days. So Chagai, yesterday, Sunday, March 26th, the defense minister was fired. Can you just tell us, I want to ask you, tell us about yet what happened in Israel-Palestine overall yesterday, please, and then lead us to today. Sure. Yeah. So um, it's very difficult to capture everything going on. Things are literally changing by the minute. Um, But basically what happened was the defense minister, Yoav Gallant, who uh, we should mention is a hawk, a supporter of this judicial overhaul and a war criminal. He was responsible for the uh, attack on Gaza in 2009, so-called cast-lit operation. Um, so he basically announced that he would not be able to support the judicial overhaul any longer because the conscience objection or the draft refusal that has resulted from uh, this reform um, is reaching such a level that is making it difficult for the army to continue operating. So not out of a position, but just out of concern to national security, he feels it would not be responsible to continue with this process. In response to that, Netanyahu decided to fire Gallant. And that seemed to have been kind of the straw that broke the camel's back um, in terms of several very significant players in the Israeli kind of social political scene. Um, Up until now, we've seen massive protests um, and hundreds of thousands of people on the streets. But it was this step, and I think it's no coincidence that it's so deeply tied to national security rather than democracy, um, that has led the Histadrut, which is the biggest workers union in the country, uh, unionizing more than 700,000 workers, um, and uh, all universities, the uh, municipalities forum, which is kind of an organization of all the municipalities in the country, um, and other groups, big businesses, corporations, basically to announce they're all going on strike. They're all shutting their gates. Um, Everybody's joining the protest movement. This is, uh, I've been using the word unprecedented a lot recently. Uh, This is, you know, five times more unprecedented than anything we've seen in this protest before. Um, And hundreds of thousands of people took to the streets immediately, spontaneously, without even prior warning, just kind of, you know, on Twitter, on WhatsApp, people were like out on the streets now and blocked the country's main highways for hours. Uh, The airport has been shut down since this morning. Um, So basically the country is at a standstill. Um, All this is forcing Netanyahu 
to reconsider. Um, and earlier today, it seemed like he might announce uh, at least a halt to the judicial overall, a uh, temporary pause. But over the past few hours, again, things are changing as we speak. Um, pressures from the right, from his own family, from his coalition partners on the far right, um, and a mass protest by the right, first of its kind, that is planned for later tonight, um, are all causing Netanyahu to stall. Uh, and we still don't know what he's going to do. I think there's a, a higher likelihood right now that he will continue the reform in spite of everything that is happening, um, really continuing and escalating the, the swirl that we're heading into. Thank you. So no news from Netanyahu. Everyone is waiting to hear and see what he might do and expectations of continued protests. Or are the, tell us what are the protests that the, um, they're called democracy protests. What are you calling them? Um, you know, the, I usually say like the protests that are under the banner of democracy and something just a good kind of buffer there. Uh, it is the main message of the protest that they're mm -hmm. fighting for democracy. Um, I just think that we need to take a critical viewpoint of that messaging, um, not entirely disregarding it because people are sincere when they're saying there is a notion of checks and balances, of separation of powers. We're protecting those things which normally would be an essential part of democracy. So they're not wrong to say we're protecting the courts and that's protecting Israeli society from absolute dictatorship. Mm -hmm. They're right in that. At the same time, we know that all these different powers have always colluded against Palestinians and greenlit um, basically um, war crimes against Palestinians and, and so on, and the whole system of apartheid. So it's, it's, we need to kind of hold both these things, not completely disregard what the movement is saying that it's about, um, also because people are being radicalized as they're out on the streets and adopting um, more and more progressive positions. And at the same time, just remember what the limitations are here. And that if Netanyahu was to announce this whole thing is scrapped, we're you know, taking it off the table, most of this improvement will be deflated uh, and very few people will still go on fighting um, for, for actual you know, equality for all. For actual equality for all. So you're holding both the, the, the limitations of the protest movement and the, the possibilities that people are, as you just said, being radicalized on the streets. Can you... I want to ask you to say a little bit more about that, about what the opportunity is for this moment. And last time we spoke two weeks ago, a little more than two weeks ago, we talked about, you talked about the, um, the anti-occupation block on, in, in the protests. And so I want to ask you, or have explain to our, to our listening audience who, who isn't watching this perhaps, who isn't there like you are and isn't watching this as closely, so closely as, as I am, like, is the anti-occupation block, is it growing? What's happening? How are people responding to it? So the block itself is, is growing, but moderately, like the group of people who would, you know, choose to stand within that block um, is still very small. We're still talking about in the Tel Aviv protests that are at the largest, we're still talking about a thousand people, you know, out of a you know, 250,000 people protest. Um, so, so really quite marginal. 
at the same time, it's really interesting to see how the messages from that blog are diffusing. Um, just the other night, I was kind of walking on Ayalon Tel Aviv's main highway, which has become the symbol of the protests when uh, demonstrators go and block the road for hours on end, setting up barricades, fighting police forces um, in ways that we've not seen before. And those protesters that are not connected to the block, uh, just the other night on Saturday night, suddenly, you know, 4,000 of them start chanting from the river to the sea, democracy for everyone. And I'm like, who are these people? Like in the radical block, I basically know everyone. Um, but these are people that just kind of picked up that message and they're like, they might not even know what that means entirely. I'm sure some of them are not thinking about Ramallah and Gaza when, when they say from the river to the sea. They're thinking in, in a way that's very coherent with the de facto annexation, the de facto one state reality that has been formed. They think of the whole country that is between the river and the sea as one entity. And when they say, this is the empty we live in, we need to have democracy, even without thinking the whole thing through, um, that message resonates for them. And I think for those people that are getting accustomed to seeing uh, security forces as the enemy that are choosing uh, conscience objection now, just as of yesterday, a tax strike, um, in addition to calls for divestment. I mean, all these things that are happening um, under the banners of democracy and equality, you cannot but wonder, are some of them not being so radicalized that they will no longer be, be able to fully accept apartheid as it was, are some of the people that are now saying we've served occupation for so long without supporting it. We've been against it, but willing to serve. If the reform is canceled tomorrow, will they go back and serve after they've been, they've made kind of that leap of breaking away from militaristic um, kind of frameworks of thinking and say, oh, actually this is fine. I'm going to go back and doing the things I don't believe in. I'm not so sure, but we don't know. We don't know. Thank you for that. I want to ask you to tell us about what's happening with Palestinians at this moment. And um, and I have a, a, a few questions that I'll, I'll throw out. So one is to catch us up on Palestinian citizens of Israel and what's happening with them and the protest movement. Um, and the second is Ramadan has begun. Um, and the I would like to ask you about what's happening on the Al-Aqsa Mosque and uh, uh, on, on the on the Temple Mount overall, and what you're expecting in the next few days, um, and then last, I I there was another Palestinian house that was burnt over the weekend uh, by by settlers who were either enabled or not prevented by the IDF who was there. So, what does this moment look like uh, for Palestinians with Palestinians? So, so for sure, like the, the whole situation of Ramadan and the upcoming Passover, which kind of cross-sects with Ramadan, uh, obviously there's a lot of tension. Um, we're seeing confrontations gradually building um, and tensions building in, in Jerusalem, in and around the old city and Temple Mount, uh, uh, Sharif. Uh, so we're seeing those tensions building um and it's hard to say where it's going we've seen instances in the past and as you mentioned that torching of, of the house and torching of fields in, in hawara uh just yesterday so as all these things are happening 
we've seen situations in the past when there was a slight uptick in, in violence and confrontations around sensitive religious uh, dates, but then things calm down. Um, it's very hard to say whether things are going to be different this time uh, and to what degree is the near kind of collapse um, within Israel itself, within the Israel society, how is that going to affect, well, you know, Palestinians decide to take more of a back seat, kind of, you know, just let the Israelis fight it out themselves. Um, will security forces choose to double down and the settlers choose to double down their attacks against Palestinians in order to provoke more violence with the hope of rallying the opposition uh, against Palestinians, saying this is a national emergency, Palestinians are uprising, um, we need to kind of stop the bittering and arguing amongst ourselves. But that there are all these questions. Uh, it's just the beginning of Ramadan, and, and it's hard to say where this is going as well. Thank you. And on the matter of the question of the of the settlers doubling down, um, or the 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 far right and the the extreme nationalists doubling down. So you mentioned that there's a call for a massive demonstration tonight of the supporters of the far right parties. Um, on Twitter, I saw the, the announcement, and it, it, I, I saw something saying essentially, "Bring your weapons." Yes. Um, what are you expecting? So we've seen over the past few weeks uh, a building up of violent incidents around protests. Uh, we have not had right-wing protests yet. So we're in week 13 of the um, anti-government protests. And over the past couple of weeks, we've seen instances where drivers that were blocked, as so many highways throughout the country are blocked, uh, drivers trying to ram demonstrators, uh, some stepping out of their cars with guns, with knives, with uh, pepper spray, and attacking demonstrators. Um, always one-way uh, violence by by the by the right. Um, usually they were uh, either arrested or put down because they, it's like one driver stepping out of their car. Even if they have a knife, they can easily be outnumbered by the demonstrators. Um, this is the first time that we're seeing this demonstration by the far right saying, bring your weapons, saying this is war. Um, and basically they announced the demonstration so that it would coincide with a demonstration of the protest movement. The protest movement in response, uh, they've been demonstrating at the Knesset since uh, 12 noon. Um, and they announced that they will stop their demonstration 30 minutes before they planned on going into the evening, but they said, we're going to stop our demonstration 30 minutes before the right comes in. We're going to disperse peacefully. They can demonstrate by themselves if they want. It's a democracy, they can do whatever they want, uh, but we're not going to be around for it. Uh, still, that doesn't mean that people that come in early for the right-wing protests, the people that stay in late for, for the uh, opposition protests, um, that people won't just find each other, like the, Knesset, the area around the Knesset is you know, not that large. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people uh, on the protest side, probably at least thousands, if not ten, tens of thousands. On the other side, um, the chances of violent confrontations that may get bloody um, are there, and it's what everybody's talking about right now. Thank you for that. Um... That chilling expectation. So, in our in our last moments of this conversation today, um, is there anything else you want to tell 
this audience to be on the lookout for? Yes, I think there's um, a considerable chance that in the coming few days, some sort of resolution, temporary or more long-term, will be found. Um, the situation where the entire country is at an entire standstill, no incoming outgoing flights, the seaports are, are you know, uh, at full stop. Um, so it, it just can't go on uh, any longer. I'm assuming that there will be some sort of solution found. That solution is likely to be an agreement between the right, not the far right, kind of the medium right, um, and the center. Um, as always, it is likely to be an agreement that throws Palestinians under the bus, basically saying we will, you know, perhaps, this is the thing, the most likely scenario will perhaps kind of set some sort of a system to guarantee the independence of the judicial system um, while giving the right some of its demands and sustain apartheid. That's off the table. That's, you know, too far to go for, for anyone. Nobody will insist upon it. Nobody's even you know, hardly talking about it, even without the need for compromise. Um, I think as people abroad are paying attention to what's happening here, just as we need to understand that the protest movement is not talking about apartheid right now, um, the solution isn't going to solve apartheid either. So if you start seeing messages, you know, that democracy in Israel was saved, or, you know, that um, foreign investors that have been kind of taking a step back because the country sees, seems unstable think, oh, no, now everything is fine. We can go back investing and partnering with Israel. Don't. I mean, it's still an apartheid sale. It's still not a democracy. Um, and, and things are not normal here. Um, so just being very, very careful of celebrating the success of this movement too much uh, is probably the most important thing if uh, an agreement is reached. Terrific. Thank you so much, Chagai. And I just want to remind our, our listeners that we have uh, an enormous number of resources on our website, also on the 972 website, but on the FMEP website uh, and 972 both that will explain to you in detail exactly how the Israeli Supreme Court, which must be protected at this moment, is a uh, an enabler of apartheid and ongoing crimes against Palestinians, even beyond apartheid. So, Hagai, um, thank you so much for taking time in what is an unprecedented time in your in your country. Uh, and I know you are un unprecedentedly busy. Um, and so thank you so much for talking to our audience. Yet again, I so appreciate your ability to so quickly and succinctly and 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 um, and and clearly lay out what's at stake. Uh, and the and the different uh, ways of understanding what's happening right now. Um, and I am sure that I will come back to you again, as I often sure. want to do. So thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you. And thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning into this episode of Occupied Thoughts. Uh, come back to our website, www.fmep.org, for resources related to this podcast, for lots of other rich content. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast to stay up to date. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. You can watch video versions of our podcasts, including this one on YouTube. And with that, I am Sarah Ann Minkin, signing off until the next episode of Occupied Thoughts. Thank you so much.